Good morning, everyone. So the reading for today is taken from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 14 through 16. Here's what it says. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. May God bless us all in the reading for this morning. Good morning. To our visitors and friends, welcome. Our sermon today is from the book of Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to take little journey from verse 14 to 16. I would like to walk through these verses and preach the simple thought, why believers worship and serve. Let's begin by examining verse 14. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Someone said, If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 1, tells us, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. As Paul to the brethren in Corinth, he described the fact that our lives on earth are temporary, yet we have an eternal home in heaven. He describes a future of eternity with Christ as something far better than any house on earth. It is not made with human hands. Waiting in eternity for all who are in Christ is a dwelling place that will last forever. A little girl was taking an evening walk with her father. Wonderingly, she looked up at the stars and exclaimed, Oh, Daddy, if the wrong side of heaven is so beautiful, what must the right side be? This morning, let me contrast these two homes and consider the difference between them. When people think of home, many thoughts and emotions might come to mind. I want us to notice four characteristics of home and use this as the basis for our comparison. Our temporary home. Our earthly homes offers temporary and imperfect comfort. While we can enjoy times of rest and relaxation at home, there are responsibilities as well. There is always work to be done. One cannot idle while also devoted to the responsibility that exists in the home. Furthermore, houses do not remain comfortable if they are not maintained. While comfort can be found at home, it is temporary and imperfect. 
Our earthly homes provide temporary and imperfect security. There is certainly a degree of security that we have in our home. However, even if we are diligent to keep our homes as a place of security, we are never completely safe. Jesus warned, thieves break in and steal. Though a strong man may be prepared to defend his house can be plundered. We can and should feel safe in our home, but this security is still temporary and imperfect. Our earthly home is a place of temporary and imperfect love. Love is commanded and taught, Ephesians 5.25. Wives are commanded to love their husbands and children, Titus 2.4. Why does this need to be taught? It is because the love that exists in the home is often lacking or it fades. Home should be a place of love, but it is often temporary and even in the best of circumstances, imperfect. Our earthly home is made up of a temporary and imperfect family. Family is valuable, yet loved ones will pass away. Furthermore, our families are made up of fallible people. This is because of the universal problem of sin, Romans 3.23. Even if our family is made up of godly people, this home is still temporary and imperfect. Let's go to our eternal home. Our heavenly homes offers eternal and perfect comfort. Revelations 21 verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Heaven is described as a place in which God will wipe away all tears, meaning that the pain from this life will be perfectly comforted and as all those that had caused sorrow will have passed away. Our eternal homes provides eternal and perfect security. Revelations 21 in verse 27. John wrote, But nothing unclean will enter into it, nor any who does abominable things or tells lies. Nothing that does not belong in heaven will ever invade that home. Once we are in our eternal home, nothing that could cause us harm will ever be able to enter into it. Our heavenly home is a place of eternal and perfect love. God is love. First John 4 8. In heaven we will be in the presence of God. Second Corinthians 5 8. And in John chapter 15 in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus displayed the greatest love by laying down his life for us. Heaven is a place of perfect love because we will be in the presence of God. Our heavenly home is made up of an eternal and perfect family. Jesus warned about the possibility that serving him would put us in opposition to our earthly families. Matthew 10, 34 to 36. Even our earthly families are not with us in heaven, our spiritual family will be there. We have the great privilege through the love of the Father to be children of God. In First John 3, 1. 
See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. In Matthew chapter 12 in verse 50. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. We are all brethren and have the blessing of being God's children. We will be together in heaven. When we compare the two homes, there really is no comparison. Our home in heaven is far superior than any home we might have here on the earth. Therefore, we need to remember where our true home is. We must never lose sight of the fact that our home is in heaven. But we must also live in such a way that we will get there. In Matthew 7:21, Jesus said, We do this by doing the will of God. The author of the book of Hebrews 13 in verse 14 says that Christian and I assume. That means that you who are in attendance here today are people who know and believe in the depths of your heart that here on this present earth in its present form we have no lasting city but we see the city that is to come. He is not saying that we should despise Winnipeg or whatever city you call home. He is not suggesting that we treat it with contempt or even benign neglect. He is not saying that we shouldn't work and pray for its improvement. Rather, he is saying that any and all earthly cities are temporary. They won't last forever. Is saying that we shouldn't become so dependent on what this current city can give us that we become greedy and self-absorbed and indifferent to the needs of others and to the mission of the kingdom in proclaiming the good news. He's saying that we shouldn't become so attached to our current earthly home and the comforts and blessings that it brings to us that we live in constant fear of losing it all. Is talking about the new heavenly Jerusalem that will come when God rids all corruption, sin, and evil. Moving on, in Hebrews chapter 13, in verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confess his name. This scripture teaches that our worship and service are only acceptable because of our great high priest Jesus. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is through him that we have access to the Father. It is through him that an offering for our sins has been made. It is through him that we have been forgiven. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 24 to 26 explain to us. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. 
nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. And in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 4 downward, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about in this scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. And in verse 10, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And in verse 14 he said, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. We've heard a lot about sacrifices in the book of Hebrews. The blood of bulls and goats and lambs are offered up as a sacrifice in the old covenant. But we've heard also that Jesus came as the fulfillment of all such sacrifices and that by his offering up of himself to suffer for our sins, he has fully and finally satisfied the wrath of God against us and secured our eternal forgiveness. There is nothing we can add to it. Instead, our praise and service ought to be done out of gratitude and obedience. We should be overflowing with praise and thanks for Jesus coming into this world, laying down his life, his resurrection, his ascension, his intercession, and much more. Thus, with the coming of Jesus, the meaning of sacrifice has changed. It's no longer a goat or a dove or grain offering, but an entire life devoted to the glory and praise of God. In Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It is our lives in their totality. All we do, say, and think must be for the praise of God. Notice the word continually. It does mean that praise and adoration and proclamations of God's greatness should in some way be interlaced in all that we do. A heart that is enthralled with God should wave itself into everything. Our jobs, hobbies, our families, our community group gatherings, etc. This would also point to our circumstances. Both good and bad. Both painful and prosperous. Both in season of joy and sadness. In times of weeping and rejoicing, suffering and ease. Having said that, it does also mean that Sunday corporate gatherings are not optional. 
They are essential to our obedience to this command in that it is in our gathered meetings as the entire body of Christ that we especially are to speak and sing and make known our praises to him. Everything we do on this Sunday is a sacrifice of praise to God. Your preaching, your praying, your singing, observance of the Lord's Supper, your offering, our fellowship with one another is an expression of worship. But I want to focus today particularly on praise as singing, the fruit of our lips that confess his name. So we must remember that the fact that the sacrifice of the Mosaic Covenant are no longer required of Christians under the new covenant does not mean we have nothing to bring as a sacrifice of praise to God. But the important difference between our sacrifices are not bloody but spiritual. In John chapter 4 in verse 23, Yet the time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. And here, the author of Hebrews has in mind one particular kind of sacrifice of praise. It's the verbal proclamation in song of the greatness and glory of God's name. The fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. The reference to the fruit of lips must be contrasted with what Jesus said when he denounced the hypocritical and vain worship of the Pharisee. In Matthew chapter 15 in verse 8, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Needless to say, that is not what the author of Hebrews means when he talks about praising God with our lips. There is a world of difference between the labor of your lips and the fruit of your lips. The fruit of your lips is what we say or sing that flows from the heart mesmerized by the mercy of God. A spirit that is saturated with the splendor of God and affection set on fire by the magnificence of God. Colossians chapter 3 in verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart, in your hearts. Although one can surely worship without singing, we can't ignore the emphasis in scripture on this expression of praise and joy in God. The singing of our praise is everywhere in scripture. But why singing? Why not just speak your praise to God? Someone answered, Singing enables the soul to express deeply felt emotions that mere speaking cannot. Singing gives focus and clarity to what words alone often make fuzzy. 
It lifts our hearts to new heights of contemplation. It stirs our hope to an unprecedented levels of expectancy and delight. It stirs our heart to tell the Lord how much we love Him again, again and again without the slightest thing of repetitive boredom. In Psalms 84 verse 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Note also that the singing that both Paul and the author in Hebrews 13 and verse 15 have in mind is neither random or endless. It is to God, he is the focus of our faith, the object of our praise, the audience of one to whom we lift our hearts in wonder and awe. Notice also the word therefore. In other translation, then. In other words, in some way, the fact that we have no lasting city on this present earth, but are looking for the new Jerusalem to come, is connected to why and why we worship God. It is because our hopes and dreams are riveted on the coming of that glorious new city that we should continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And the last verse, Hebrews 13 and verse 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. This verse expands the idea to remind believers that doing good for others is a natural, expected part of this joyous perspective. There is a very practical side to Christianity. We need to remember to do good not in order to be saved, but out of gratitude for being saved. The command to not forget to do good and share is applicable to all of us. Such an exhortation suggests we might be prone to neglecting to do good and share with others. Think about how easy it can be to get caught up in the business of our own lives that we become oblivious to the needs of others. Certainly, we all have acts of doing good, like being nice to co-workers and sharing food with others. No matter how small, this remains acts of goodness. However, we live during a time of unprecedented destruction and busyness. Mobile phones and devices, 60 to 80 hour work weeks, seasonless clubs and sports activities, etc. As a result, we tend to find ourselves much more self-absorbed than at any time in world history. Given this modern reality that it is easy to forget what to do. The reminders in this verse quite powerful in making sure we actively seek out ways to offer good and share with others. This verse also contains a powerful purpose clause that can literally provide the fuel for dedicating the time and efforts towards doing good and sharing. Specifically, the text states, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. In the moments it feels difficult to sacrifice our time, pressure, and talents to do good for others, we can find motivation by knowing our actions please God himself. 
to summarize our lesson. What does it mean for us to seek the city that is to come? It means that our hope is not invested in what we can gain now in this present city on this earth. It's something else altogether for us actually to make adjustments in how we live because we believe it to be true. It means that we can seriously seek to have our beliefs reconfigured in conformity with the principles and values and truths that will be found in that eternal city that is yet to come. Praise, worship, why we do it, how we do it, when we do it, to whom we do it. Worship begins with deep biblical thoughts about God, robust and extensive truths about who He is and His greatness and glory. Thoughts that in turn awaken passionate affections for God such as joy and gladness and gratitude and admiration, love and fear and zeal and deep satisfaction in all that God is for us in Jesus. He's saying that our values and the way we relate to people and the way we use our money and resources should reflect the fact that we know another city is coming. A city that will last forever, a city in which we will dwell with God in an unbroken bless and fellowship and joy forever and ever. Let me share this story. Michael Faraday was a chemist, electrician, and philosopher. A distinguished scientist calling on him put this question. Have you conceived to yourself what will be your occupation in the next world? Hesitating a while, Faraday answered, 1 Corinthians 2.9 However, as it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. And then, he added in his own word, I shall be with Christ, and that is enough. Friends, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I know this new relationship that we were privileged to receive was only possible through God's amazing mercy, grace, love, and salvation. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. These scriptures applies to you and I as much as it did to those in the first century church. This new relationship, the door is open to us to become the people of God, and we have eternal life, promised a home in a place beyond description. Brethren, we will never find anything in our Heavenly Father, or in the Divine Savior, or in the Divine Comforter that does not deserve praise, thanks, and best service.
May we then praise God with all our hearts as long as we breathe. May he look into our hearts and see endless praise and thankfulness. May praise be our constant pleasure and gratitude and ever-deepening attitude. Again, good morning and thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Riley. Uh, if you could please stand for this uh, last song and uh, also for the closing prayer afterward. <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures, give me hope. Praise Him, all the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, Let us pray. Our God and King, praise be to your name. Holy be your name. Father, as Christians, as citizens as your of your kingdom, Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done for us. Father, thank you for life. Thank you for breath. Thank you for even this day that we are able to see. Father, as your citizens, we are to follow your commands. And the greatest command is to love you first and to love others as ourselves. And Father, we know that if we do this, we are guaranteed that you'll be faithful to us. Father, we are guaranteed that you'll protect us. Father, we have the guarantee that you'll make our lives better. And all of this is done by your will and not ours. Father, we pray for the strength to go through each day. Father, we pray for the determination, the will to do what is right in your eyes. Well, Lord, we know that oftentimes we fall short. And in those times, we need your forgiveness and we need your mercies. And Father, we pray that you will always forgive us. And you will always bring us back into your fold. Lord, be with us. Father, we pray that as we go throughout this week, that our hearts and our minds will be steadfastly fixed on you. Father, help us to stand firm. 
help us to overcome the different challenges in our lives and to understand Lord that you are always there for us there's always a shoulder that we can lean on and there's you're always there for us to to talk to father we pray that you help us to fix our eyes on the prize and that is to be in your eternal kingdom lord go with us as we go throughout the week as we go about our businesses today father give us the strength that we need and we pray all this to your son jesus name amen, amen.